two regional canine officers who were assigned to bloodhounds, Chase and Maudie. Right there's real pictures of them. There's Chase and there's Maudie. These two bloodhounds, they arrived on the scene with their handlers at noon. And Chase and Maudie, they began to do what they were bred to do. They began to work and they quickly found the scent of, in the backyard of this 84-year-old man and they locked into a course that led searchers through an old barn and then into a wooded area with a creek and soon right to where Mr. Jeffress was. He was only about a quarter mile from his home and it was in a place that searchers had looked time and time again. They had been through there several times, but they had failed to go far enough until the dogs joined in. But there, the 84-year-old man was entangled in a fence, trapped there overnight for more than 12 hours, too weak to call out. He was cold, he was wet, and thankfully, he was alive. Don't you love a happy ending to stories like that? You see, beloved, the people there of Union City, Indiana, they did exactly what people are supposed to do when somebody's lost. You go searching for them, you go try to find them, you do everything in your power until they are found. And in our text today, Jesus voices a very similar sentiment. A very similar sentiment here, right? Luke 19, 10 is our text. This is at the end of the conversation here with Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, who was, of course, a wee little man. <laughs> wee little man. But also a very crooked, very powerful Jewish tax collector. And Jesus declared there in Luke 19, 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. That declaration this morning is going to serve as our text for today's final message in our After God's Own Heart series, where we've explored and, and we try to understand what it means to be a church after God's own heart. And up to this point, we've learned that to be a church after God's own heart, we must spread outside the walls of this church building we must speak the truth in love to our community. We must stand against, stand for life against the growing culture of death. We must spark the next generation to follow God with all their heart. And last week we talked about how we must seek God's provision through prayer. This morning, as we wrap up this series here, we want to come to explore and to understand the heart of God one more time and join our heart with Jesus's heart and to join our mission with the mission of Jesus here in Luke 19, 10, which again is where Jesus declared, for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. And so here's today's takeaway. Here's what I want you to walk out of this church building with this morning, simply this is to be a church after God's own heart, we must search for the lost so that they may be saved. I want you to think back to that Christmas miracle I just told you about there, the story of 84-year-old Mr. Jeffress who had gotten lost and hopelessly, hopelessly tangled in that fence. There wasn't a thing he could do for himself. He couldn't save himself. He couldn't find himself. Now imagine with me for a moment what would have happened to him if nobody ever went looking for him. Or imagine with me if they'd given up after the best human effort overnight 
and they never called in those bloodhounds, he would have surely perished. And beloved, I need you to understand this morning, that's what will happen to those around us who are lost if we don't search them out. So if we're going to be a church after God's own heart that searches for the law so that they may be saved, then here's what we got to do. Four things that I believe our text calls us to here. And first is this, is we have to understand what Jesus means by quote unquote, the lost. That's a phrase that we use a lot. That's some of that Christianese right there. We talk about the lost, they, they're lost. Let's pray for the lost. And typically in our brains, when we use the word lost, we think of somebody who doesn't know where they are. They're unable to find their way. They've gotten lost. They were driving along and then all of a sudden they have no idea where they are or how they got there. And they have no idea to get where they were going from there. Or maybe we think of somebody who's gotten turned around in a woods or wilderness and they, they just don't know how to get back to where they came from. But when Jesus uses the phrase, the lost, it means more than just somebody who's lost their way, unable to find their way. You see, our phrase that's translated here as the lost in the Greek is a Greek, is a Greek phrase, um, uh, ta apololos, ta apololos, which is the noun form of the Greek word apolumai, which primarily means this, to be destroyed, to be ruined, to die. And so when it's used to talk about people, it's just not that, that somebody's unable to find their way. No, what the Bible's talking about is that they are in peril. They're in grave danger. They're being destroyed. They're being ruined. They're being killed. Just like Mr. Jeffress there from Indiana. Right? He was lost. He was in peril. He wasn't dead yet, but death was knocking. And if something didn't change and change soon, he was going to die. But apolumai in the Greek there, it goes even further than that because we're not just talking about physical destruction, physical ruin, physical death. No, we're talking about spiritual destruction, spiritual ruin, spiritual death. In fact, did you know that one of the names of the devil is Apollyon? Apollyon. Look at Revelation 9.11. Revelation 9.11 tells us they have a king and they have as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit. Who is that? Well, that's the devil. His name in Hebrew is Abaddon. Abaddon. In Greek, his name is called, the scripture says here, Apollyon, the destroyer. That's the name for the devil. And it's based on the same word here that Jesus uses in Luke 19, 10, that we translate simply as lost. So when Jesus says that he came to seek and save the lost, he ain't talking about people who are just out for a walk and, and kind of got miscalculated in their GPS. He's talking about people who are in peril. And guys, listen, we have to see the people around us, the lost around us in this way. The world wants to tell us that they're okay. That if they don't follow Christ, it's gonna be okay. They're just on their own road to truth. They're on their own road to enlightenment. They're on their own road to happiness, right? Their way may not be 
our way, but their way's okay too. But the truth is they're not. They are Apollomai. They are lost. They are ruined. They are on their way to destruction. They are on a highway to hell. They are on a pathway to eternal peril. So beloved, you got to see that they're headed toward everlasting death if something doesn't change. That's what it means to be lost. And I just got to say right now, if you've walked in these doors this morning and Jesus Christ is not your Lord and Savior, this is you. And I don't say that to hurt your feelings. I don't say that to, to, to make you feel like you're less than. I say that so you might understand the situation that you are in and that you might turn and be found, that you might turn and be saved, that you might not be ruined or destroyed. And if we as a church, if we're ever gonna be a church after God's own heart, that searches for the lost so that they can be saved, then we've got to do that, right? We, we've got to understand that. But secondly, this morning, we've got to let their reality burden and break our heart. Let their reality and burden break your heart. Now, I want to ask you a question. I already know the answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you... Share Jesus with lost people around you as much as you should. What's the answer? <laughs> no. No, right? Let's just be honest this morning. No. When was the last time? Don't shout it out, but answer this in your mind. When was the last time you shared the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody who is lost? I'm not talking about inviting them to church. I'm not talking about testifying to them how good God is. That's all good and well, and we should do those things. I'm talking about evangelizing, telling them that they are a sinner in need of a savior and that Jesus is the savior. When was the last time that you told someone that? I mean, do you share Jesus at all with people? Why not? Is it because you're not sure if God's commanded you to do it? <laughs> Is it because you don't know enough? Is it because you don't have enough freedom to do it? Is it because you don't have the opportunity? And the answer is that none of these are true. God has commanded it. You know enough. If you've been in church at all for very long, you know enough. You've got all the freedom in the world to speak. And you certainly have opportunities we'll talk about here in just a little while. So none of these things are why we don't share Jesus as much as we should or, or maybe not even share him at all. Can I be honest with you this morning? Here's the answer. Here's the answer. The reason that you and I don't share Jesus with others as we ought is simply because we don't care enough. Let's just be real. The reason we don't share Jesus enough or even at all is because we don't really care. Isn't that true? Isn't that the real reason, y'all? We don't love our neighbors as ourselves, right? 
It's not that we had to get our heads right. It's that we got to get our hearts right. We don't love our neighbors the way we want to be loved. We don't love our neighbors like Jesus loved our neighbors. And so before we ever get, before we ever get right in sharing Jesus with our neighbors the way that we ought to, we got to first get our hearts right with God. We have to sync our heart with God's heart. And if there's one thing that I know about the heart of God, he loves the lost and he longs to see them saved. Amen. Right? I mean, that's the heart of God. That's the heart of God. God reveals the disposition of his heart concerning the lost to us in scripture in no uncertain ways. For instance, 2 Peter 3, 9 is a passage that you probably know well. The scripture says, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. Why? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's the disposition of God. First Timothy chapter two, verse four tells us that God is a God who desires, it says here, that God is a God who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is his heart. This is his disposition. We see in the Old Testament, Ezekiel 33, verse 11, where God through the prophet says, say to them, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from their way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? Beloved, this is the heart of God. This is the God who loves the lost of this world. This is the God who loved the lost of the world so much, he sent Jesus to seek and to save the lost, as Jesus told us, right? Luke 19, 10. It was the heart of God that sent the Son of God to win the lost to God. And if we're ever going to be a church after God's own heart, then we must have this same heart. We must wish that none should perish. We must desire all to be saved and to come to repentance. We must take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but instead long for him to turn from the wicked ways and live. Plain and simple, we have to care. We have to care. We have to let their reality burden and break our hearts. So evangelism is not just a head issue. You've heard sermon after sermon on how to share your faith. You've been to, to training courses. You've maybe even been mentored. You've been walked out and, 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 and went and shared Jesus with someone else. You've seen it done over and over again. You know enough to see the entirety of this community be saved. So it's not a head issue. It's a heart issue. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he captured this sentiment that we really need to get burdened and we need to have our heart broken. When he said this back in the day, he said, put your ear down to the Bible and hear God bid you go and pull sinners 
out of the fire of sin. Put your ear down to the burdened, agonized heart of humanity and listen to its pitiful well for help. Go stand by the gates of hell and hear the damned entreat you to go to their father's house and to bid their brothers and sisters and servants and masters not to come there. Then look Christ in the face whose mercy you've professed to obey and tell him whether you will join, listen to this, heart and soul and body and circumstances in the march to publish his mercy to the world. Beloved, we gotta get our hearts right. We must let their reality without Christ burden and break our heart. I mean, where would you be? Where would you be if your reality had not touched and burdened and broken someone's heart? I pray that you would care enough about people to tell them about Jesus. And if you don't care enough, if you would say this morning, I'm just gonna be honest, Lord. I don't care enough. What do you do? Well, don't forget what the Bible says. Love is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Love is the, fruit of a, uh, is the fruit of the Spirit. And so if you would say this morning and admit to God that you don't care enough, that you don't love the lost enough, what do you do? You get on your knees before God and you weep and cry and wail. Beg God to give you a heart that loves the lost around you. And let me tell you this, if you will ask God for that, he will give you that. He will fill your heart with the Holy Spirit and you will love the lost around you so much that you'll actually tell them about Jesus. That's God's heart and it should be our heart. Our hearts must be broken and burdened if we're ever gonna be a church after God's own heart that searches for the lost so that they may be saved. Third, third, we have to search intentionally and actively for them. Look, we can't just sit back and expect lost people to come to us. <laughs> They're lost. And some of the lost don't even know it. Two years ago in Turkey, there was a man named Behan Mutlu who got drunk one day and he wandered off from his friends into this deep forest. And after trying to find him for a little while, they decided to call the authorities to help them look for their friend. And they brought the search party out, this huge search party, and they began to look for him. And there was a man in the area who saw what was going on and walked up to one of the searchers and said, what, what are y'all doing? And the researcher said, well, there's a man lost in the woods and we're trying to find him. And so the man said, oh my goodness. I hate to hear that. Can, can I help you find this man? And the searcher gladly, oh, of course, yeah, come on. All the help, the more the merrier. And so the man in the search party, they searched for quite a while, but there was no sign of Behan anywhere. And so the search party decided to begin to yell. Right, maybe they had searched far enough out into the woods that, that they might be able to yell at this point and, and Behan would hear them and he would yell back. And so they begin to shout, Behan, Behan Matlu, 
Behan, can you hear us? To which someone in the search party yelled back, Hey, I'm right here! <laughs> Behan had been the man who had walked up to the searcher earlier in the day and had joined in the effort. The man they were looking for had been looking with them the entire time. He had joined in his own search party. <laughs> Don't you wish that spiritually lost people would do that? Don't you wish that lost folks would just come running up to you? What must I do to be saved? I'm here. Tell me what must I do? And look, I'm not saying that doesn't ever happen. It does. I'm just saying that ain't usually how it happens. Lost people don't usually join their own search party. No, they're lost you have to actively, you have to intentionally search for them, just like Jesus did here in Luke 19. Luke 19 here with this scene here with Zacchaeus. I believe that Jesus intentionally went to Jericho. To seek and to save Zacchaeus. You see, Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem to begin what we call Holy Week. He was about to triumphantly enter in. And just a few days later, he was gonna be crucified on the cross. But on the way, he desired to go through Jericho. And scripture tells us that as Jesus was coming into Jericho, Zacchaeus wanted to see him. Now it never says that Zacchaeus was wanting to be saved. He just wanted a glimpse at the spectacle. He had heard about this amazing guy named Jesus, and he just wanted to see what all the ruckus was about. And so since he was, as I said earlier, a wee little man, <laughs> or at least that's how we picture him because we infer that from the scripture because the Bible says that in order to see over the crowd, he had to climb up into a sycamore tree that he might see a good glimpse of Jesus. And when Jesus came by, Zacchaeus did not engage Jesus. He didn't say, Jesus, here I am. No, Jesus engaged Zacchaeus, even calling him by name, a man whom he had never met. Look at Luke 19, 5. And when Jesus came to the place, the Bible says, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, Hurry up, come down, for I must stay at your house today. And it was there, beloved, at Zacchaeus' house that he turned from sin and trusted in Jesus, leading Jesus to say there in Luke 19, 9, today, today salvation has come to this house since he is also a son of Abraham. Beloved, Jesus didn't wait for Zacchaeus to come to him. No, he went to Jericho and he went to Zacchaeus. He came to seek and to save the lost, not wait for the lost to come to him. No, he actively, he intentionally went to Zacchaeus. And so if we just sit around and wait for the lost to come to us, they'll almost never come. No, I mean, we gotta search actively. We gotta search intentionally that they might be saved. But here's the good news. The good news in one sense is that we don't have to search hard. Yes, we have to actively and we have to intentionally search, but we don't have to search hard because the lost are all 
around us. I want you to hear these stats that I got from the Mississippi Baptist Convention about the people surrounding us. And I've, I've put them in some pie charts here so that you can get a glimpse. And I want to focus here on the four counties. You know, we're pretty much here in Collinsville. We're, we're pretty much in the four corners of, of these four counties here. We're in the, the four corners part of these four counties. So I want you to see the stats here for just a moment. For instance, here's Lauderdale County. In Lauderdale County, it's estimated that 61% of the population is lost. That's 47,330 people. In Newton County, it's estimated that 62% of the population is lost. That's 13,600 and 11 people. In Neshoba County, in Neshoba County, it's estimated that 62% of the population as well is lost. That's 18,059 people. And then finally, in Kemper County, in Kemper County, it's estimated that 65% of the population is lost. Now, even more, even a greater percentage is what we would call unchurched. But these are the ones who profess no faith in Jesus Christ. And so when you look at a map of Lauderdale, Newton, Neshoba, and Kemper counties, it doesn't get much more than smack dab in the middle of all of these places than Collinsville, Mississippi is, right? We're right in the center of all four of these counties. We are very centrally located. And so that means that all around us, then we are surrounded right here in Collinsville, Mississippi by over 85,000 lost people. Almost seven out of every 10 people you will meet in this region are lost and we are smack dab in the middle of it. But I, want, I don't want you to just realize that, that we're centrally located in the midst of this vast lostness. No, I want you to see this actually as an opportunity, right? Because yeah, we're centrally located and yeah, that is a strategic location for us. Beloved, don't you believe that we're here for a purpose? Don't you believe that when God planted this church in 1926, don't you believe that God said there is going to be vast lostness and there's going to be a people who will gather in 2023 right here and I will put them right in the middle of all the lostness that they might go reach and impact this world and to seek and to save the lost. Don't you have to believe that we're not just here by chance? That it was just a good land deal? No, I believe that God had a purpose and that purpose is to put us right in the middle of lostness, to position us in the best place that we could centrally located, that we might reach out and make a difference. We just got to get out there and do it. We've got to be active. We have to be intentional not just as a church, but as individuals. Remember, we go be the church, right? That's what we talked about. The first one in this After God's Own Heart series, 
that we're to spread out every time we come together. We as the church then take what we've learned and we go forth into every nook and cranny of where we are here and win people to Jesus Christ. That's what we are to do. Beloved, you are in a mission field. Did you hear me? You are in a mission field. You don't have to go to a mission field. I praise God that we do, but you don't have to go to another mission field because you in one. So let's get intentional. Let's get active in our search for lost people around us that they might be saved. Finally, if we're going to be a church after God's own heart, who searches for the lost that they might be saved, then fourth, I would encourage us to do this. And that is to implore them to be saved by Christ. Sometimes we use language that just doesn't fit the calling. We say things like, I just want to invite them to Jesus. That sounds too polite. That sounds too weak, given the dire situation. I mean, if you saw a man who was on the edge of a bridge about to jump off, you would not just invite him to step back over the rail, would you? No, you'd beg him. You would implore him. If you had a loved one who refused to come out of a burning building, you wouldn't just invite him to walk out. No, you would implore him, right? You'd plead with him, please. And you'd beg for the firemen to run and to save them. In the same way, we shouldn't just invite people to be saved by Christ as if they can take it or they can leave it. As if it doesn't matter either way, just pick one. No, we must implore them. Because just inviting them, that's, new, that, that, that's too nonchalant. We implore them, please come to Christ. Please turn from sin. Please be saved before it's everlastingly too late. And we're to do that with all of our being. As the Prince of Preachers, Charles Haddon Spurgeon once said, he said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. And if hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and let no one go unwarned or unprayed for. Beloved, isn't that what Jesus did? We're talking about getting the heart here, right? We're getting our heart right. That's what Jesus did. He tells us here his heart. In Luke 19, 10, he came to seek and to save the lost. And then just a little while later, when he's entering Jerusalem for the last time before his crucifixion, we read in Luke 19, 41. And when Jesus drew near, he saw the city and he wept over it. Beloved, this was his mission. This was his heart. And when you understand his mission and his heart, it only makes sense then that he would just a few days later lay down his life on the cross to save sinners. The cross itself is such a stark proclamation of the absolute imperative that sinners must come 
to Jesus for salvation. The cross itself implores sinners to turn from sin and trust in Christ. And we are in turn to implore them to do the same. The question is, will you? Will we? Will we be a church after God's own heart who searches for the lost so that they may be saved? I pray that we will. And I pray that we would get there before it's everlastingly too late. Here's my final prayer this morning as the praise team comes. May the heart of God move us to share the gospel of Christ with all of our heart until every heart is his.